This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for August 10th. Today we celebrate St. Lawrence. We may not know much about the life of today's saint, but his martyrdom in the year 258 made a deep and lasting impression on the early church. Celebration of his feast day spread rapidly. Lawrence was a Roman deacon who, as legend goes, was responsible for the material goods of the church, including the distribution of alms to the poor. When Lawrence sensed his death was near, persecutions were a regular occurrence under the emperor, he gave away the money he had on hand. He even sold the sacred vessels to increase the sum. When the prefect of Rome learned this, he imagined that the Christians must have considerable treasure. He sent for Lawrence and demanded that he render to Caesar what is his, so that the emperor could strengthen his military might. Lawrence requested time to accommodate the Roman official. He gathered together a great number of blind, lame, maimed, leprous, orphaned, and widowed persons. When the prefect arrived, Lawrence announced, These are the treasures of the church. The enraged prefect immediately had a great gridiron prepared with coals beneath it. Lawrence suffered a slow, painful death around the year 258. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. Some people's stories may be based more on urban legend than on fact. One such story involves the immoral and obese Pope Alexander VI, elected in 1492. On May 6, 1503, the Pope watched the funeral of his overweight grandnephew, Cardinal Juan Borgia Lanzo, from the window in the Vatican. This is a bad month for fat men, he said, and just at that moment an owl flew through the window and flopped dead at his feet. Bad omen, it's a bad omen, he cried, and ran back to his apartments only to die himself 12 days later. At the exact moment of his death, on the 18th of August, 1503, people on the street reported seeing several devils fly out of the window of the dying Pope's room. This has been your Papal Minute. To learn more, visit papalartifacts.com. That is papalartifacts.com. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to the show. I am Brad Gray, joined by Janine Bitson here on Real Presence Live. We are blazing forward into hour two of this issue, this episode, this edition of Real Presence Live. And so excited that you're with us. Uh, please. Hold on to your hats and make sure that your uh, mustache doesn't fly off. So, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but okay. <laughs> uh, well, Brad doesn't even have a mustache. I, that's, we were going that fast. I used to have a mustache, and 
up until uh, like five minutes ago. There it went. You know. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, we have had a, a wonderful first hour on Real Presence Radio, and we're so grateful that you stay tuned with us. Our next guest, we're really excited to introduce, has a, a fantastic story. Yes. And so, Brad, why don't you do the honors so, introducing our uh, next we, guest? We've got William Rarick on to talk with us about the restoration that he has just completed with the Stations of the Cross at St. Michael's Church in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, if, if you've been to St. Michael's or even to the Cathedral in Fargo, they're the same Stations of the Cross in, in uh, Grand Forks. They, they were white, uh, probably from the beginning. And, and William has done an absolute masterpiece. Thank you for being on with us this morning, William. Yeah, thanks for having me. So excited to have you on. Uh, first, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself as we get started. Well, I grew up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I went to UND. I kind of, uh, then I got my master's in University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Mm. But I've always wanted to be an artist. That was always what I was thinking about. I was drawing big monsters when I was in preschool. <laughs> <laughs> became like the art kid in middle school, and that was pretty big in my identity. And uh, then I kind of went forward with art as a... Uh, Kind of like how an athlete would. I was in wrestling, and that really taught me a lot about diligence and practice. Mm. And um, I really carried that forward in my art practice. Uh, right now, I'm an art teacher in San Antonio, Texas, uh, teaching at a classical education school, and I do art projects uh, on the side or in the summers. Mm. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm good friends with your sister, Teresa William, and she's shown me a little bit of your work, and it's just absolutely stunning. So I, I'm... I'm delighted that you uh, sh- chose to share your gift, uh, your gifts with uh, with St. Michael's because it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, thank you. It was it was truly a blessing to be able to do that. I remember I, when I was younger, I, I always wanted to be a successful artist, and I would be in church praying and looking up at the murals and the stained glass in that church. And I remember one time praying. I'm probably at the fourteen or fifteen, and I said. God, can I just be good enough at, uh, to make something for this church? Right. And that's a huge task, but that would be amazing. And, you know, more than a decade later, here I am adding, adding to that church, and it's just really an honor for, my, for me and for my family and to be give, able to give to that church and community and to, to Christ in that way. That is really beautiful, William. I, I, you know, to hear you say that when you were 14 or 15, you know, that you prayed and wanted to be able to contribute in some way. What was your reaction when you were actually asked to restore and paint the statues? I mean, I mean, it's almost like an answer to prayer, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, God keeps surprising me with answering my prayers. You know, that that's where the faith and the relationship really just keeps getting stronger and stronger. It's, it's almost silly, you know, you, you pray for something and then God gives you it. Or God teaches you, like, that's not what you really wanted. Mm. Yeah. And, it, yeah, that's been such an important part of my um, spiritual path for the past five years or so. Well, so now, what was this like? Because how long did it take you to do the restoration? I'm assuming that there was kind of like a, just a whole process that you went through with this. What, what Walk us through a little bit. Yeah, so we didn't know exactly where, what we were getting into until we got the statues down. That was even having to figure that out, too, Mm. because this is the first time I've done a project like this. I usually make oil paintings. Wow. But um, 
we figured out how to get them down, and that was really exciting because everybody's like, what are they made out of? How much do they weigh? You know, how'd you get it? Are they screwed into the wall? And So we got them down. We figured out uh, how dirty they were. There's probably 60 years of dust on there. Mm-hmm. And then we cleaned them up. And if I can just, inter- finding- I'm going to interject for just a second, William, for, yeah. for those who haven't seen the Stations of the Cross at St. Michael's or um, the cathedral, these, these are what, they're five, six feet tall. They're, they're a scene made out of, I don't know if it's plaster or whatever. These are enormous things. These are not like a little picture on the wall that's, you know, three by two or something like that. This, these are, these are um, gigantic statues that are, 14 statues that are affixed to the walls. How big are these things? And and I'm, I got to get go on that question that you just asked. How much did they weigh? Yeah, you know, we really should have got a scale because that was like one of the second most common questions people would ask. Um, I would say they weighed up between 100 and 200, and they mm. could vary. Sometimes the ones that looked really big weren't that heavy, and sometimes mm. the ones that looked smaller were extremely heavy. You didn't really know until you grabbed them. Um, yeah, and all in all, with the pedestal and the statue or the station on top of it, they're probably six feet tall or yeah. so. They're wow. they're big and it's they're cumbersome. So that was really interesting getting them down. But they're just sitting up there on top of the uh, the pedestal. Hmm. Really? Yeah, and I think they're over a hundred years old. Looking at the pictures of St. Michael's Church. Wow. Hmm. So so what was that like? I mean, here you have that first step. You're <laughs> take them down. I mean, you probably have to be feeling pretty overwhelmed if they're almost six feet i mean how tall are you william (laughs) (laughs) i'm 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 not six foot i'm about five eight okay Um, yeah it was really interesting seeing those so close i mean especially because i grew up in that church and i stare up at them all the time and you know wonder at them saying oh man if i could make something like that it'd be it's amazing and now i'm looking at touching them looking at them uh inches away and yeah, yeah, inches re- away, you must feel like you're actually part of the scene of the passion almost, you know, like you're you're one of the bystanders right there in the passion. Yeah, no doubt. And that really gives more credit to the artists that made the mm. statues in the first place, you know, a century ago. So were they were they in decent state of uh, repair, or did you have to? Were, was there any repairs needed to the plaster or anything like that, or how was that all ready to go? Some were better than others. Uh, I think they're pretty good old when as uh, it goes with statues. We didn't have any huge repairs. Sometimes we had to uh, fix some fingers, make new fingers mm. and toes, or chipped noses. Uh, paint was chipping, and there might be some mold in there, so we uh, scraped that all. all scraped that out and cleaned it. There's a, some times when we had, a, like, a cross was fixed into the statue. It could be separated, kind of like Legos. And we had to find a way to make it uh, sturdier so it wouldn't fall out because the joint was cracking. Uh-huh. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, construction work that went into them as well, which I didn't really anticipate, actually. Hmm. <clears throat> and so but it was really exciting learning how to do that and fixing those things and working with plaster and... Um, whatnot yeah yeah so uh this with the with the processes you're going through um i'm just curious kind of like from a a spiritual standpoint is there a certain station whether before you worked on this project during or after is there a certain one that you really like i don't know it just grabbed you yeah i think i think different ones grabbed me at different times Hmm. but 
I keep returning to the 14th station. Mm. You know, the one where it's just Jesus and the people that are uh, courageous enough to be with his body. Uh, Mary, John, uh, Nicodemus, and, um, oh, shoot, the last one's uh, losing my Mary Magdalene? Uh, I don't think she's not no, in the statue. She's not in that last one. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the, rich, the guy with a lot of money or the oh. the one who was a Pharisee before. Um, Nicodemus. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, that one really sticks out. You know, it's just uh, all the royal colors, those saintly subjects, Jesus' body and what he, what he gave up for us, um, that somberness. You know, the story's ending. You know, the credits are about to roll, at least for that part of the story. And I think that's partly why that one sticks out to me the hmm. most. Hmm. You know, uh, William, if you don't mind, I'd like to share... Um, <laughs> Uh, pictures for our audience. Uh, I'd like to put out your website um, so that people could, who are tuning in, could just, you know, quick get a hold of that and then you can actually see the visual. Because uh, being an artist, I mean, it's just so important uh, to see the colors and to feel the presence of, of the artwork. Um, do you mind if I share that on, on air? Absolutely. Okay, it's William. Rarick in all one word, uh, so W I L L I A M R E R I C K dot com, and uh, go to the statue, um, the statue restoration. It's it's really beautiful. Uh, so it would be WilliamRarick dot com backslash statue hyphen restoration and and really come into this conversation with us by visually seeing uh william and the process of this artwork it's it's really cool yeah yeah i'm 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 so fascinated by all of this william i i'm curious uh you know we've we were only got about a minute or so before we have to take a break but i want to get into like you know how did you even choose the colors that you used for different uh different figures within the the statues and and the stations and so on um but, you know, I think let's, what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a quick break right now and we'll come back on the other side and kind of go into more of the nuts and bolts, the details, because this all matters. Like the, 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 the art of our faith speaks profoundly and, yeah. and you, you were able to enter into that in such a, an amazing way. And I just, I love, I love that opportunity yeah, for us to and have And art helps us elevate yeah. us into that worship space, uh, definitely into how we worship. So, so during the break, quick go to WilliamRarick.com, and then it's uh, Statue Ret Restoration. So find that, and then as we listen to the artist, uh, you can really see and feel the artwork. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Your future, the future of your family, and the causes important to you are too precious to be left to chance. While no one can control the future completely, a little bit of certainty and predictability is good and healthy. Fortunately, Real Presence Radio has some practical methods to share with you to assist in establishing your will and estate plan. Please visit our plan-giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. It's a matter of just getting started. 
This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. Being a priest is a great joy in my life, and I love especially the celebration of Holy Mass, where is the sacrifice of Jesus once again displayed before us, that we are informed by it, and it changes our life. Over time, the grace of the Lord actually gives us joy. And as a priest, to celebrate that sacrament, the sacrament of the Eucharist for people, and to bring God from the altar down to others and to give them the Eucharist is a great joy in my life. And as I distribute communion, I ask the Lord to bless each of the people that come up to receive the host. And I thank God for the great gift of the priesthood, which gradually came to me. It was not all at once, but over time I realized that the Lord was giving me the desire and ability to be a priest and to be a man in Christ, a man of the church, and a man for others. And he eventually showed me that that was the true joy, that where my deep gladness met the world's great need. And that is the essence of a vocation. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. UMary.edu. That's UMary.edu. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. It is just a treat and we are tickled to be with you. Tickled to be with you. That's Brad Gray and Jeanine Bitson for you this morning. And he still doesn't have a mustache. So. <laughs> By the way, that's long gone now. Um, so we are talking with William Rarick, who has done an extraordinary restoration of the Stations of the Cross uh, at St. Michael's Church uh, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And, you know, it is, uh, hopefully you've been able to have the chance to be there. Um, if not, I, I don't know how, how widespread these these particular stations are. I know we have them at the cathedral, St. Mary's Cathedral in Fargo and at St. Michael's. But they're really, they're powerful scenes. They're powerful scenes uh, that are that are large, they're plaster, and they're kind of affixed to the walls all around the church. And I went to uh, UND uh, in 94 and 95, and I remember St. Michael's was a church I was going to, and, and you know, sitting there surrounded by the stations and the scenes, and they're, they have a power in what they express, but they were kind of just previously whitewashed. And at the cathedral, we have the same stations that have been painted. And I just, I remember for, for many, many years, I've been struck by the, the difference of them and how they, they really speak almost all the more eloquently at the cathedral uh, previously. But William has, has just brought this extraordinary life to the Stations of the Cross um, and, and really, I guess, invited us really into the reality that, that they represent. And so, William, we were talking on the break a little bit about, like, how do you even choose the colors? How do you make the decisions? And I was fascinated to hear, you did research on these things. Like, it's not just, oh, I think blue would look pretty here. I, I think I like green. Let's, there, there's, there's a lot of thought that you put into how you went about this. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. And to comment on something you said earlier, these statues are a lot of places. I actually found some in the cathedral in San Antonio, Texas, the exact same statue. Really? I'll paint it differently than what I've seen before, but yeah, deciding how to paint them was, I used a lot of icons to make my decisions, mm. and then a lot of the tradition in the Renaissance, 
And there's some variation in that, but you start to realize they picked those colors because they had symbolic meaning, right? Mm. Did Jesus really have a red robe while he was uh, walking up the road uh, uh, to the cross? I'm not sure, but it represents the blood he spilt for us. Mm. And the white, his white robe part of it represents his purity. And that's sort of a theological reality uh, beyond just the historical realities being represented. Yes, that is profound. I mean, it, it, does, it does tap into this whole tradition of, of sacred art that is, like, that's, that's the primary way that the Church was able to communicate to people for centuries, right? When, we didn't, when most people were not literate, they didn't have the capacity to read the Scriptures, it was through art, through music, through architecture, that the Church was able to teach the faith. Absolutely. And, and it is so beautiful because I think when you have uh, a worship space that does have that art, uh, that beauty, it does help to elevate. I mean, good music helps us to elevate into a deeper um, worship. Uh, it just elevates everything. And then the art space as well, as far as the physical art space, it does that as well. It's not a distraction. It's something that helps bring us deeper into the meaning of what we're there for. And so that's what's so cool with what you've done with the, this uh, uh art renovation, the, the Stations of the Cross renovation, and, and especially the Stations of the Cross because the passion of Christ is life, death, and resurrection. I mean, it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. And then that passion, those that um, is everything. Without that, uh, gates of heaven don't open. Mm. So talk to us about that. Uh, when you immersed yourself in the painting of these, how did that make you feel as an artist, as a Catholic? Well, it, it feels amazing to connect to that tradition of using art to praise God and bring people closer to Him in His Scripture. Um, like you were saying with music and um, um, just different arts within the Church, I talk about with my students that an E minor chord on the guitar sounds sad. It's like, it's, it's clearly a sad mm -hmm. chord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's colors that are sadder. And you, can, you can play with these things and you can adjust them, right? Everything can become uh, slightly relative with what it's standing next to. But that's what I was thinking about with the statues. I really wanted them to show the melancholy, show the, mm. the, the sorrow that was going through this, um, the passion. Sometimes they're painted in sort of the Easter colors, like, which maybe is in anticipation of him rising, but it doesn't necessarily hit that, that the deep chord. Mm. Uh, so I wanted to tone it down, bring in the deep saturated colors, um, paint the saints in royal colors and beautiful um, jewel tones and then show the I call them bullies, people pushing Jesus <laughs> around. <laughs> I painted them in more earthly colors, hmm. uh, more like uh, yellows, browns, and reds, uh, just to show that different sort of spiritual place they were in. Hmm. And like I said, not, not actual history, you know, I don't suppose that Mary had the money to have expensive silk robes but I paint her in that way to show how um, saintly she is and how we revere her. Yeah, to elevate her because uh, there's only two that walk the earth without the stain of sin, and uh, you're depicting both of them in the stations. Yeah, wow. 
Yeah, I love the thought that you put into it, William. And I guess that's probably the heart of an artist, right? The artist isn't just, it's not just about bringing colors together. It's about communicating truth, really. Right? Absolutely. Uh, so now, I don't, I don't know if we actually asked this question previously, but how long did it take to do this project? Well, I was anticipating doing this project over two different summers. Oh. Um, that would have been 16 weeks. But I, I've, I really wanted to finish it in this one summer so that I was in one headspace and I didn't come back to it with another headspace. Mm. So I was able to finish it in eight weeks. Wow. And that was 14 statues, so almost two statues a week. Wow. So I was cruising. I prayed for that to happen, to work out that way. And it did, you know, just like getting the project. I had a lot of helpers that came out of nowhere mm. and um, really graced in that way because they never could have done it without my assistants and people that volunteered. And then I could just focus on the creative decisions, you mm. know, the big ones uh, and the more complicated tasks of shading and detail and um, whatnot. And so, yeah, it took eight weeks. That's crazy. I was going to ask you about that if you had people helping you out. So what were, what were the people that were helping? What were they doing in the process there? There's sort of a tiered system, you know, of what they were able to do. Mm -hmm. um, well, anybody could really clean the statues. So, you know, my aunt came and she cleaned them, and that was so wonderful to spend time with them that way. And she had some emotional experiences, uh, you know, cleaning the face of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then uh, some other assistants, they got better as they went along, you know. Painting the statue white took somebody, you know, like a couple days, where it was taking me a couple hours. Sure. But then, you know, as it went along, they got a lot better at that and way quicker. And then they were doing... They're like my right-hand man, you know, doing the things that almost, um, one of the steps below what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so we, we figured out what was what worked well with people. You know, my uh, girlfriend who helped out with the project, she really liked doing the gold leafing. I taught her how to do that, worked with her there, and she started adding the gold onto the statues. Well, that's neat that uh, as a teacher, you were able to teach while in the process of doing all of this as well. Absolutely, yeah, I was. That was really interesting. Uh being a teacher slash boss in it, uh, didn't have to handle any infractions or detentions, though. It's really <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> oh, and, and just think, you know, that teaching, you know, in this activity, this activity was a prayer for all of you. You know, working on this together was just an absolute prayer uh, that you were giving to God. Um, Wow, you know, it's just so, so cool. So what what has the reaction been like, you know, in the St. Michael's church community, you know, once they were restored, once the statues were elevated back onto their pedestals? What kind of reactions did you get? You know, it was wonderful reactions. It, maybe the most meaningful part to me is I look back and I realize my family, the people in this community, they St. Michael's is more of a home than the home they probably live in. Mm. It's probably been there longer than any house they, they've had in the city, and they're, it's, it's their rock, their hard place. And I'm, I made a change to it. Mm -hmm. And I think I was even afraid, you know, what if I messed up? What if something broke? Sure. And it all came out really well, and people, they say to me how happy they are, how grateful, and how they always say they 